Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey everyone, it's Alyssa. Before we get started, I just want to thank everybody for their support ahead of this premiere. If you're not already, follow the podcast at U-N-P-H-L-T-E-R-E-D on Instagram and Twitter and subscribe to get notified when new episodes come out. Unfiltered is on Acast, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and Spotify. Welcome to Unfiltered, that's with a P-H-L, where I'll take you through quintessential Philadelphia stories. Together, we'll learn about love, loss, hard work, and creation in the city of brotherly love. On this premiere episode, Blank Canvas, we'll hear from three guests who all have one thing in common. Art has played a central role in their lives during the pandemic. And it's just, it's very, very stressful during these times. And it's very impossible to have high hopes. That's Connor Rice. He's a 2020 Fox School of Business grad and, full disclosure, my boyfriend. When I decided to focus on art for the first episode, I knew I had to talk to him. Like many 2020 grads, Connor struggled to find a job after graduation. Almost eight months later, he finally got a job offer, but the process took a toll on his mental health. Oh yeah, it was impossible to get a job. I think pretty much from maybe a month or two before I graduated, up until almost now, I must have applied to maybe 350 different jobs and sometimes getting interviews, sometimes not, sometimes hearing back immediately, sometimes getting denied immediately. On his resume, Connor comes off as a very decisive, hardworking, straightforward person. He went to one of the top business schools in the city, commuted to class to save money, and worked odd jobs, acting as a carpenter, deli slicer, and website copywriter to pay his way through college. He gets frustrated when his hair grows too long or there are dishes left in the sink. He typically likes to play by the rules. Yeah, no, there's no creativity in business school. I began painting, um, I guess, maybe midway through quarantine, I guess, sort of as like a fun date idea, just for fun kind of just on a whim. I never really did it before. Can you describe the best way you can, like the feeling that you have while you're painting? Definitely very concentrated. Like my mind isn't wandering. My mind isn't focusing on job applications, cover letters, uh, paying my rent, anything going on in my life. Just everything is just blank and it's just me and the canvas and me and the paint. 
and just what my next stroke is going to be and what my next color is going to be. And honestly, just a, a blank slate, really. One of the best things about painting, Connor said, is the idea that if you mess up, you can just paint over it. Just do it, and it doesn't matter. And if you mess up, that's art. And also, if you mess up and you really hate it, you can just repaint over that. So it's not like you almost cannot make a mistake. And even your mistakes become something that's like, that has character or something that like makes it different from everybody else's. So just go for it and you, you can't fail. It's just impossible to fail at this, I think. You have a bunch of paintings up on your wall. Is there like a, a feeling that comes with this? Yeah, I think there's pride. I think there's a feeling of accomplishment and also like a feeling of like, I don't know how to explain it. Just like people walk by and they see it and they're like, wow, who did that? That's very talented. Or even they walk by and they're like, wow, did you buy that? And even then I'm like, oh man, I must be really good then. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, just like a hidden talent that I didn't know I had, but it's not a talent. It's a, an acquired skill that I'm like, oh, I'm proud of myself for putting in the work and acquiring that skill in order to actually make like beautiful art. For veteran artist Dave Pettengill, that feeling of pride was the thing that kept him going throughout his childhood. All of the choices I've ever made, all of the places I've ever gone, you know, art was the only consistent thread throughout all of those, you know, family, friends, uh, places I've lived, jobs I've had were only um, meant to, the, the only kind of thread that dragged me through those places was artwork. Um, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the color I was using. It wasn't the medium. It wasn't the, the place that was, it wasn't, you know, art was something to rely on for consistency. Dave and I met while he was bartending in Philly. He grew up in New England and got his master's at the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts, but education wasn't on his mind when he landed in the city. Uh, I came to, <laughs> well, I ended up in Philly based on a whole other uh, set of life uh, experiences, but, you know, move to a place for a girl, doesn't work out <laughs> kind of thing. So, Taylor's oldest time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so cheesy. I feel obligated to ask this because it is like un-PH-sheltered, but yeah. what about um, Philly kind of kept you there? Uh, I think ego, for sure. I mean, there's so much. And thinking that my work would be shown at these places was an egotistical, narcissistic kind of framework to be, you know, like I've always been making work, but then at some point I switched to, you know, if I'm showing at these places, then my work has value based on the value if I buy into that framework, which I never did. So uh, it was very much a personal fight a personal struggle to say oh well if I'm buying into this framework and I went to this academic and I went to the you know all of those things together when I when they line up you know it, it all boils down to me being like me wanting to have acceptance in a system I don't may or may not necessarily believe in. From an outside perspective Dave's art was extremely successful in Philadelphia he showed at countless galleries, took up a residency at PAFA, and gained media attention for some of his most popular works. 
street art where he filled potholes and other street cracks with sprinkles. In his success, though, Dave struggled with how to quantify what the word success meant to him. Where do I find define my success in a in a piece that I made versus where do I find my success in the art world versus where do I find my success in life are all inextricably linked and very important, but they're, you know, not one part of that has all the answers. It's the combination of overlooking those. And so to manage my own anxiety about whether or not I'm successful or whether or not I'm making the, you know, whether or not I'm a success in my parents' eyes or whether or not I'm a success in my, you know, in, in a societal stance. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> sometimes it works. Sometimes, you know, like, am I successful? Am I financially successful? Am I um, creatively successful? Am I, you know, all of those questions are constantly roiling under the surface. So um, it's a big, you know, it's a big deal to be, to have to wake up every day and be like, <laughs> what am I doing today? The pandemic gave him an opportunity to reconnect with his art. He moved back to New Hampshire, where he grew up, and finally had the time to focus that he hadn't had since art school. And you never, as an artist, you know, you almost never get those opportunities. So it's like a blank slate for you to uh, just do whatever you want, which is what all artists are after. Without coronavirus, you have to have the job bartending, you know, you know, like 40 hours a week and they're exhausted when you go home. But if you have to wake up and your only deal is like to make work, it's like, holy shit, like I could do this all day. I could do this till the cows come home. I could do this for 80 hours a week. I could do, you know. So in that respect, coronavirus was great for, it was more inspiring. It was better in the sense that you have to sit with yourself and create, which is what you're after as an artist. Like, all right, what do I, what, what are my influences? What's coming in? What do I have to do? For Dave, influences come from daily life. I love what I do to the extent that uh, it fulfills, it, it's a, I'm able to fulfill a lot of my person through it um, while addressing bigger concerns. Some of it is very conceptual and very involved. Some of it's messy, some of it's accidental, some of it's planned, some of it's, um, so it's the byproduct of being a person. And then once you involve a conceptual bent to it, it involves all of everything. So you're, I mean, you're talking about God, you're talking about going grocery shopping, you're talking about all of the things that make us be human. And then uh, I think the only thing that people get lost with is that when they say, you know, I don't get contemporary art, it's because contemporary art is about contemporary life. I think it's almost so simple that it becomes lost. You know, it's like, well, what did you go to the store? It's like, yeah, I went to the store. What about it? You know, like, okay, well, what, you know, like, if you're not looking and thinking about those things, politics and, you know, the environment and social media, if you're not thinking about those things at every second, you can, you can get lost when you end up in a space where you're like, all those things are on display and you're like, you have to, I think there's a personal responsibility that goes along with 
viewing contemporary art that people aren't engaged with. 2020 was a year that forced everyone, I think, to really open their eyes to the things that actually impact them. So COVID, you know, the government said, go home. Everybody go home. Stay where you are. Nobody go out. And then sports couldn't happen. And you couldn't go to museums and you couldn't go to art, you know, and you couldn't go to restaurants and you can't go. You have no outlet. You have nothing to do but kind of focus on the apparatus, the structures that make us kind of what we are, you know? And so everybody's sitting at home saying, I can't watch sports. I don't care about sports anymore. I can't go to museums, I can't go out to eat. And everyone's like, so who's in charge of this? And the government is like, <laughs> like on full display. It's like the, the curtain like is gone. Um, so for artists, I think it's hilarious because all artists are like, yeah, this is the way it looks. If you don't have, like, if you don't have a lot of celebrity gossip to entertain you and you don't have all the memes and you don't have, a, you kind of get this like unobstructed view into what's actually happening, which is actually the way artists always think and always view society. Um, and then people are, have no idea what to do with that information. So they're fighting, Republicans are fighting, Democrats are fighting, you know, it's like, and everybody's on social media, like yelling at each other and it's polemic and just terrible. But artists are like, you know, and I'm, I'm susceptible to, to it as well. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not part of it, but um, I've always viewed life as this crazy mess. And I know all artists that I've been like associated with and know intimately think that this is the way it always looks so to have the entire world thinking like what is going on is like a really <laughs> it's a bit of a relief you know it's not like 2020 did it it's like yeah now now you guys all see it too I literally feel the same way because while like both of our work kind of manifests itself differently as yeah. A journalist you know you're kind of on the inside of all of this going on so then when people are like this is insane why can't we just do this i'm like that's all how it's all literally always been yeah. just you didn't pay yeah. attention before in philly 2020 served as a catalyst for social change deeper thought and a whole lot of street art public and street art has always been a big part of the city's culture but now i'll go on a walk and see new stuff every time on every corner and store window there's new art it's a response to this weird world that we're living in. I think Philadelphia likes to paint itself as this rough and tumble creature that we kind of do what we want and we constantly get, get up when we're pushed down. Um, everyone that I know is inspired by Rocky. I'm not a sports person, but I got it. Like, it made sense. And I think a lot of Philadelphian artists believe in that too. I think that they kind of make use of all the resources around them. You're hearing Jessica Aguilar. She's a senior at Temple where she studies art history. Jess loves art, makes it in her free time, but doesn't want to make it her career. She said she likes it better without having to worry about monetizing it. Jess is paying her own way through college. She plans on using her degree to make art accessible to everyone and has started her mission by collecting works from Philly artists and setting up a home gallery. I'm a 
child of immigrants and I'm always told to like work hard, do what's best for your family. And I didn't really find much time to express myself as a child. It just wasn't a priority, which is fine. And being out and being able to walk and be entranced by a giant mural on a wall, it's like, how can, like, how can someone have the passion to put something that they like privately enjoy for the world to see? And it's admirable, it's really admirable to me. And it's just so interesting to me because that kind of communication, I'm just not used to. Like, I'm not used to being able to learn so much from the wall. And as someone who has a very privileged academic history, I can't imagine the value it has to someone who maybe can't go to college or maybe had to drop out of high school and they just aren't as informed as they need to be. And I think that's the most important thing. I think it's just letting people know information. And even if it's not something like solid, like getting news or stuff, but just see, just beautifying the city and just bringing passion out into the world. I love the, I just love simply changing a simple brick wall to stuff filled with with graffiti, I love the wheat paste, just beautifying the area around you, I think is one of the best things that you can do. You are like picking out art to like put on your wall, something that you're like, I, I want to buy this, I'm gonna support this artist. What are the things that stand out to you? Like what speaks to you? Mostly romance, romance with the city. Um, the thing that, the main piece that actually started my collection was a work by the artist Nero. I was at one of his art shows and he had this giant uh, cardboard with the phrase, um, want you, need you. And it would, and I guess it was more of a, of like actual traditional couple romance, but I read it more as his other works that say you belong here. And just, it just made me think of a romance between the city. I want to live in the city. I need to live in the city because I get so much kindness from the people here. And I've learned so much that I can't imagine living anywhere else. And that's been pretty much the jumping off point where something that brings me passion, that gives, brings a smile to my face, that gives me inspiration, that reminds me of the city. It has to be, I can be a little bit annoying sometimes when I'm curating the wall because I want it to show how much I love the art and I love the people here, but also sometimes I want something silly and something that'll make me laugh. Yeah, all of Philly kind of feels like when you see like a picture of Gritty on the sidewalk or something, it feels like an inside joke and like it just brings the community together, I think. Oh my god, yeah. I think it's funny. I love gritty art. I love stuff that you can only find in Philadelphia and only Philadelphians would get. That community feeling is what makes Philly such a special place for Jess, and me too. She goes for walks too and finds comfort in the works on the walls. 
almost no words can truly express that because it gives me a lot of hope. Like during this turbulent time where I can't even hug my friends, sometimes the only thing I can really do is take a walk. And it sounds just so simple and mundane, but um, it really does give me a sense of joy that people can still create, even though you know that they're hurting or they're stressing out or they're just anxious about the future. Like, oh man, every, almost every piece that I see in the city nowadays tries to instill a message of looking for the future that this will pass. Um, and if we, the people can collectively look out for one another, we can look past everything that's happened and we can move forward. It's just so inspirational. And I think it's one of the reasons why I haven't truly let myself spiral. I hate to say that it's the silver lining of this pandemic, but it kind of is. Public art also gives everyone driving or walking by the ability to learn about the experiences of others just by looking at it. I think what's really underappreciated is the intersectionality of voices that you see in art. I just like when you're young and you're just starting to learn about art and you kind of are only given this very limited, uh, strictly Western idea of what is art. And that's what you're taught about in books, typically like white male painters. And you get a very small window of what art should be. And I think another I probably should have mentioned this earlier too, but another great thing about muralism is that you can see it from so many perspectives and so many voices. And it's what's helped me discover more POC voices. It's helped me think more about queer theory. And I think it's also another definitive thing about Philadelphia because you can learn about so many people and so many cultures from just looking at your window. This summer, the city cut public arts funding dramatically. The cultural fund lost about two-thirds of its pre-pandemic funding, while Mural Arts, Jess's dream job organization, lost more than 50 million dollars. I have so many thoughts. Um, obviously more of anger, and I can't probably mask that. If I had been exposed to art more just as much as I've been exposed now, I think I could have been a much more productive person. I think that art should be accessible because it's not just, you, you can look at it at so many different tiers. It teaches you so much. It passes so much information and it can be done so without violence. It can be done so without being in your face too much. And it's something that makes your city better. I love seeing kids on the street just stop and look at what they're looking at. And they'll ask their parents like, mom, who drew, who drew that on a wall? And they'll be like, oh, just a random artist. And kids will always ask more questions, and, but parents have places to go. And I just think it instills a sense of learning in kids because they want to know more. And I think adults still have that too. I know for me, I still will stop 
and look at something. I'm like, I want to know who did this and I want to know why. And even if I wasn't a student, I would still have that passion. So for me, the, the main reason art should be accessible is to instill these sense of learning and passion and inspiration in people that I've definitely had in the past couple of years. And I've definitely helped inspire a lot more people by showing them like, we can do this. We can make this city nicer. We can be spreading ideas and we can learn about each other. And it doesn't have to be an institutional thing where art has to be in a fancy frame under spotlights on a pedestal, but it can be in someone's living room and we can just talk about it. Thank you for listening to this very first episode of Unfiltered. I hope you grew from this. I definitely did. You can donate to local public art initiatives like Mural Arts by clicking on the links in the description or visiting our Instagram at unfiltered with a PHL. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Alyssa Biederman. The music was created by Nikki Fackler. Shout out to today's guests, Connor Rice, Dave Pettengill, and Jessica Aguilar. You can support this podcast by visiting supporter.acast.com slash U-N-P-H-L-T-E-R-E-D. I'll see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.